This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. If you have your Bible, take turn to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. We're a church that believes in bringing your Bible. We'd encourage you to bring your Bible. If I, if I can coach you, if I can really speak into something, sometimes it's easier not to bring your Bible. We believe in, hey, use your phone, use your iPad. If you want to bring a desktop computer with the Bible, you can do that too. But there's something about your Bible. And uh, I read the Bible app every day, but I still open my Bible every day. There's something that will bring you into church. I, I, I grew up in church carrying my Bible. I grew up in uh, believing that the Bible was important and special and reverent. I, uh, I'm not the kind of person who just leaves it around though I forgot it here last week in the theater, uh, we believe in the importance of the Bible. And can I encourage you, my words will come and go, illustrations will come and go, titles and series will fade, but the Bible is impossible for it to return empty. When you put this into your life, something happens. And if you get in the habit of bringing your Bible to church, you'll get in the habit of bringing the Bible more places and you'll start to value it. I'd encourage you to bring your Bible to church and it'll help you. If you don't have a Bible, ask us and we will get you a Bible. Mark chapter 12, a few verses today on this dedication Sunday I want to read. I'm going to start reading in verse 13. If you don't have a Bible, you'll see one behind me on the screen. And uh, I'm going to start reading in verse 13. If you're there, say hey. If you're waiting for the screen, say hey, hey. My people. All right. Are we doing okay today? Everybody glad to be in church? Everybody awake? Did we mention there's free coffee after church? Amen. All right. Mark chapter 12, verse 13. Later, the leaders sent some Pharisees. For the sake of reference, Pharisees were really the pastors, priests, leaders of the day of the synagogue of religion. They're very rarely seen in a positive light in Scripture. It's amazing that Jesus is always hard on religious leaders and really merciful for sinners. Sometimes we get that backwards in church. Sometimes we give favor and we, we let leaders away with things and we're really tough on those that are struggling with their faith in sin. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus spoke harshly to those that focused on the what of religion and forgot the who of God. And he was merciful for those that were struggling, those who had a soft heart but had a tough lot in life. And I think there's something to be learned of that. The Pharisees were against Jesus. They saw him as a rebel to their faith their way of making a living. They saw him against uh, the rituals. He was going and doing things like healing people on the wrong days, the, the nerve. The, 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 he had the ability to, to love on people of all races and backgrounds, the nerve. He had, uh, he had the habit of accepting people that society cast away. Unbelievable to think, even think he would do that. And they were offended. And in here, the Pharisees were always trying to trap Jesus to get him to say something illegal so they could throw him in jail. This is who the Pharisees are. It says, Later the leaders sent some Pharisees and supporters of Herod to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. Teacher, they said, we know how honest you are. Right away they start with flattery. Be aware of flattery, people. They start with flattery. You're amazing. You're just amazing. We know how honest you are. So right away you know they want something, Okay. It says, right away, it said, we know how honest you are. You are impartial and don't play favorites. You teach the way of God truthfully. Now tell us, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar, who was the occupying force? Rome was, was an invading force on Israel, and their leader was Caesar. Is it right to pay taxes to the invading force of our nation, to the, to the leader, to Caesar? Is it right to pay taxes or not? 
Should we pay them or shouldn't we? Make note, this is in a public forum. This is in the middle of the city with crowds. I'm sure there were Roman soldiers there. I'm sure there were Roman officials there. They put Jesus in a tough place because the, the locals, the Jewish people, hated the Romans for invading them. And if he said, pay your taxes, they would think he's with them. He's on their side. How can we listen to this man? If he said, don't pay them, He's saying to the Roman officials, we have someone here who's gone and caused mutiny, who's going to raise up a rebellion. We need to arrest him right now because he is speaking against the law that we've put in. It says, should we pay them or shouldn't we? Jesus saw through the hypocrisy and said, why are you trying to trap me? Show me a Roman coin and I'll tell you. And they handed it to him. They said, whose picture and title are stamped on this coin? Caesar's, they replied. Well then, Jesus said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. And I love this. His reply completely amazed them. For the next few minutes today, for just a few short minutes, on this dedication Sunday, it's important for us to explain why we do things. Why do we just dedicate uh, seven to nine children on the stage today? Why does that important to you? Maybe you don't have kids. Maybe um, you're younger. Maybe you're older. What does that have reference to you? Of all Sundays that you had to get up early, why should you have even come today when we're dedicating children? Well, I believe today that there's a truth for my life and your life and what we demonstrated today. If you're writing down a title for this message, I would encourage you to take notes. Notes never forget. Our title today is this symbol right here, an apostrophe. Is that backwards or is that right? Does that look backwards to you? All right. This is the symbol formerly known as apostrophe. The, the artist formerly known as apostrophe. Is that backwards or right? Okay. All right. High school was the best six years of my life. It was amazing. Put down. It's upside down. I don't even know what that is. Okay. It's a six. I'm not sure what that is. All right. Write down an apostrophe, write down an apostrophe symbol. Apostrophe symbol for the next few minutes as we talk about dedication in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Again, we thank you for families. We thank you for the children. Even right now being ministered in our kids' ministry and our, in our junior ministry, we thank you for all ages. We thank you for the dozens and dozens of children right now that are learning about your goodness and your faith and your love. God, we thank you for every voice and every face that's here right now. God, we thank you we're at different ages and we're at different stages, but God, you have a plan. And we pray very clearly these next few minutes allotted to me that, God, you would unpack your word, more than opinion, more than local culture, but your word and your truth would speak to our life. I pray you'd encourage us. I pray you would speak into us. And I pray, Father, we would leave here more passionate about you and the journey you have us on. Bless each one in Jesus' name. Everybody said? We have a commitment as a family. One of our core values, we have core values on our, on our wall at home. It's called the Miller Family Creed. I heard a person say that vision leaks, so you have to keep speaking vision all the time. Our vision as a church is to help people far from God become close to God. That's why when you walk in here, you might think, I don't know much, but I feel welcome here. That's our goal. That's why we have free coffee. That's why we have friendly people. That's why we try to make it as easy as possible for you to find this place, because our goal is to remove any barriers that would stop people if they want to have a relationship with God. But we say that vision often because vision leaks. It's like a, a hole in a bucket. You just can't say it once. As a family, we realize that we have values. Me and Nancy, as we've been married almost 20 years, we realize we have values as a family, but it's not just to say it once and then that's it. But for our kids that we're raising, we're raising adults. 
Uh, we're raising champions. We're raising world changers. But even for myself and for Nancy, so we've actually written it down and put it on our wall. And we, sometimes we photocopy it and make it placemats for Christmas and other special occasions. And one of our core values is we are committed to laughing often. Laughter is a part of our core values. It's actually part of our DNA as a church. It's also a part of our DNA as a family. Some of you are thinking, there's got to be a spiritual meaning behind this. There isn't. We just need to laugh. I think a nap, a snack, and a good laugh can fix a lot of things. Can someone say amen? If you were here last week and you saw the sermon, that might be something that you would see as a part of why we laugh. We just believe that laughter is a good thing. And there's so many things in life that cause stress and worry. There's so many things that want to bring you down that if you can get a good laugh. So as a family, our core value, one of our core values is to laugh often. We made a commitment, me and Nancy, even this year, to say we need to have more moments of laughing. Sometimes we take ourselves way too serious. I, I take myself way too serious sometimes. So we said, let's, this year, let's make every opportunity we can to laugh. Not at each other, but with each other. Uh, in January, me and my wife went and saw a comedian on date night, and it was an amazing time. And we laughed. And uh, I stole all his jokes, and I'll use them in my sermons. It was so fun. And we just laughed with about 7,000 other people at the Metro Center at Scotiabank Theater, and we just laughed. And one of my favorite parts was this comedian started talking his, his bit. He started talking about Canada. He, he, before he got into his set, he talked about Canada. And one of my favorite parts was talking about the Canadian map. He's like, you ever look at the Canadian map? And he's like, it was really detailed when they started on the East Coast. He's like, they were very precise and specific and detailed. You got Newfoundland and any Newfies in the place? Anyone Newfies? Awesome. Uh, there's two types of people, Newfoundlanders. And those that wish they were. And then you have PEI, and they drew it in Nova Scotia, and the boundaries in New Brunswick, and every cove, and every inlet in Quebec and Ontario. He says, you ever notice they got lazy as they went west? Eventually they got to the prairies, they're like, that's fine, that's a border, that's a border, that's a border, we're done. <laughs> he started talking about, he said, we have the same names for cities, it's so confusing on the east coast. He said, you have St. John's, and you have St. John's. He's like, I'm sure people have messed that up from flights and trips. Where are you from? I'm from St. John's. You don't know where they're from, St. John's. He said, there's two St. John's in the same part of the country. He said, apparently they weren't very unique when they named this part of the country. And he started to point out the difference between St. John's and St. John's, or as I say, St. John's. St. John's and St. John's, that's how I know the difference right there. But to the average American or maybe Western Canadian, it's like, okay, there's St. John's and there's St. John's. What's the difference? The, the difference is an apostrophe. This comedian went on to say, he said, one is named after St. John. The other one belongs to St. John. That if he ever comes back, if, if he ever decides to come out of heaven and come back, he'll say, that one's named after me, but that's my city right there. He walks in expecting the key to the city. Why? Because of the apostrophe shows ownership. Today I want to talk about dedication, and I want to talk about in Mark chapter 12, really this whole passage has everything to do with ownership. It says in Mark 12, it says, Jesus says, give to Caesar, which is Caesar's, and give to God, what's God's. The apostrophe in this passage, that ownership is everything in this verse. This passage is a showdown between uh, valuables, resources, priorities, and ownership. This verse is a showdown between priorities, ownership, and resources. The religious people of the day, the leaders, tried to trap Jesus by getting him to say something. They were so focused on rules and laws. I love Jesus for a lot of reasons, but one thing I love about Jesus, and we're Jesus people here, is he always brings it back to the heart. They're like, okay, what does the law say? And we're going to try to trap you. They try to trap you with rules 
and laws, but Jesus always goes to another level. See, the minimum is rules. You want the deeper things, you go after the heart. Some of us are obeying laws and obeying rules, but our heart is far from it. Jesus says, no, no, the Old Testament says these are the rules. I take it further. I don't get rid of the Old Testament. I'm actually here to complete it going, listen, some of you have done the right thing on the outside, but on the inside, you're far from it. It's like sometimes your kids, I'm raising my kids, I won't say which one of my kids was a little stronger willed, but Maddie, when she was younger, uh, we'd say, Maddie, you need to lay down and go to bed. And sometimes you knew she was laying down on the outside, but she was standing up on the inside. She'd look at you with that little grin and that little curly hair and that crunched up face, and she was obeying on the outside. It looked right, but on the inside, you knew she was not into it with her heart. Jesus always goes after the heart. This passage is about ownership. Whose image, it says, whose image, that image means a lot. Today it says, whose image is on the coin? Image means a lot. In the Jewish culture, and today I want to unpack a little bit of why images mean so much. In the Jewish culture, images were absolutely everything. In Leviticus chapter 26, in the Old Testament, God said to his people, you should have no carven or graven images before me. In fact, it's one of the Ten Commandments saying you can't worship an object. You can't worship an image. You can't worship something that's carved. If you read your Bible, you know they made a sculpture out of a calf and they worshipped it. I know you're thinking that's a bad idea, but I'm moving on. So that was utterly awful. Wow, I'm just going to keep going. And he had this rule in Leviticus and it said don't worship an image. We see it in the Ten Commandments. In fact, the best passage we have in Scripture uh, in the New Testament of images and people worshiping was in Matthew 21. In Matthew 21, it says that Jesus, and people love this passage, they love to quote it, and they often quote it wrong. It says, Jesus walked into the temple expecting a place of prayer, and he walked in and saw money changers and people selling things, and he upturned the tables. Jesus got mad. He made a whip and started driving out these, he calls, you made it a den of thieves. He started driving people out that were selling things and changing money. He said, this should be a house of prayer. And people go, see, see, you shouldn't sell things in church. We have a merch department where we sell sweaters and shirts. We're having new merch coming in a couple weeks. And once in a while, we get a comment card. We had one a little while ago. And I wasn't going to say this, but I'm feeling a little feisty today. And (coughs) Excuse me. And and uh, they put on there, uh, I will not, if, as long as you keep selling merch, I will not come back. But then they put their email address, which I'm glad they did. And I replied, we'll miss you. No. <laughs> I actually did. And uh, see, the thing about merch is we don't make money on merch. We actually lose money on merch. The reason why we do merch is a couple reasons. The youth design it mostly and sell it. They enjoy it. Secondly, we've had more people come to church because people are like, what's that sweater mean? And people are like, I'm proud of my faith, and I get to express it at Nova, and we have kids inviting kids. In fact, there's even some teachers here that started seeing the logo on sweaters before they ever came to this church going, what is it? And then the kids that were wearing it, for the most part, are amazing kids. And they're like, i got to find out what's going on here. What's with this logo? What's with these kids? And something amazing. And they start showing up to church. That's why we do merch. And sometimes people think, well, you're selling things at church. The Bible said, don't turn it, turn it into a place of prayer. That's not what was going on here. See, images was everything in the Bible. And for the Jewish culture, there was this rule that you couldn't worship a graven image. 
So what happened is, is as a Jewish person, you'd be coming to church, but because you were occupied by Rome, the currency that was being used was Roman currency. They held up a coin, and they said to Jesus, who's, Jesus said, who's on the coin? They said, that's Caesar. So the currency that was used in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, the, the currency that was used by Jewish people was Roman currency that had stamps of Caesars and stamps of people. And Much like if you pull out a $5 bill, you'll see Sir Wilfrid Laurier on our $5 bill that they put the queen, we put the queen on it or a, a famous person from history and we put an image on there so you can tell the difference between a $5 bill or in American money, it's all the same color and we put images on our money. Romans did that as well. But see, Jewish culture knew they couldn't give an offering to God with an image on it because of Leviticus. So they went in and you had money changers there saying, okay, listen, you can't give that offering in the bucket because it's impure. The Bible says you can't, you can't worship, you can't give anything that's impure. And the Bible says clearly, it's one of the commandments, that you can't put an image like that. Give it as a sacrifice. So there's people that had a business of sitting at a table. When you walked in with your Roman currency, you're thinking, i got to get right with God because that's the way it was. You had to give an offering, had to kill an animal, had to give money just to get your sins forgiven for that week, for that month. And they come to the table and say, here's my Roman money. And they would take it and give them Jewish money with no images on it. But what was happening was they were charging a high fee to do that, going, you can't go in. People are going, I'm under sin. My kids are under sin. I've got to get free from this weight on my shoulders. I'm free from this pain in my life. And the only way they would let them in is if they had the right money. And because they didn't have the right money, there was a market. And they'd say, listen, give us your Roman money, and we'll give you the stuff that you need to get the sin off your life, but we're going to charge interest on it. Then they said some people had to give animal offerings, like doves and stuff, and they'd come in. And they go, all you got is Roman money. Okay, give us the Roman money. You can buy a dove to sacrifice, but we're going to charge triple, quadruple the prices you could, because you could only sacrifice pure or white animals, uh, the first, and they would charge an interest. That's where that came from. So when Jesus went in, what he was actually saying was, I'm so upset that you are making it hard for people to be forgiven for their sins. You're making it hard for people who are far from God to come close to God. That's what the sin was in that text. Does that make more sense now? Because the image was wrong. They're going, you're actually, people are coming here with a pure heart. And you're actually saying, no, no, we're going to charge you to worship God. We're going to charge you to get rid of your sins. We're going to make profit off ourselves, off of your sin and your misery. And we're going to hold God's forgiveness hostage. That's what it means when he went in there with the money changers. It's completely different. In this passage, Jesus is shown a coin. And going back to the law, he understood the power of images. He goes, well, whose image is on that coin? They said, Caesar. He said, give to Caesars what is Caesars, but give to God's what God. See, he understood the power of images being stamped onto resources, valuables, and lives. Let me ask you today, what image is stamped on your life? We look in the mirror, what image is on your life? Let me ask you a question, what image is on your relationships and on your kids? Today, what this was, was a symbolic act of what we do every morning as people. We get up and say, God, I'm yours. Because here's the thing, whatever image is on your life, that's who you'll follow and that's who you're devoted to. That's why we say, the Bible says we are made in God's image. 
Why? Because we were born to give our lives to God. We were born to follow God. We were born to be devoted to God. God's image is on our life. That's where we belong. And somewhere in culture, we start letting another image be stamped on our lives. Somewhere, we let regret and shame be stamped on our lives. Somewhere someone betrayed you or hurt you. Maybe somewhere you made a decision, you feel regret on your life. And somewhere the image of God got brushed off and carved off and you feel like there's nothing but regret. When you look in the mirror, when you think about yourself, all you feel is shame on your life. The image of shame is on your life. Maybe it's pain, maybe it's sin. You look in the mirror and you see every decision you're making that's far from God. And somewhere an image has been stamped on your heart. And when we wonder why we give our lives to be dedicated to other things than God, because whatever image is on your life is where you'll want to be dedicated. You ever hear the saying that someone dedicated their life to something? You'll hear this. They dedicate their lives to helping the poor. They dedicate their lives to medical research. They dedicate their lives to this. What they're saying is if you look at that person, everything about that person was this. A humanitarian, medicine, maybe philanthropist, giving money away. Maybe it was music. Maybe it was their family. They dedicated to being a mom or a grandparent. They dedicated their lives. What they're saying is, because this was so passionate, every part of my life reflected this image of what I was passionate about. Let me ask you again today, whose image is engraved on your life? Today we had parents go, we want God to be the pursuit of our children. Today we want to dedicate. We want to impression God's values, God's, God, God's plans, God's love on our children so they know that they are God's. We have dedicated them aside for God so we will give to God what is God's. When I look in the mirror today, I don't see someone perfect. I don't see someone that has it all together, but I do see God's. That's why it's easier to give my life to God's because I belong. Give to God what is God's. Give to the world's what is the world's. Let me ask you today, whose image is on your life? Whose image is on your family? Because that's who you'll follow. That's who you're followed today. Today was a symbol when we dedicated children that they wanted to be stamped on their lives, their priorities, their values, that God is first and we belong to God. Can I encourage you to say, don't let culture stomp their image on your offering? so easy to walk in here going, what's trendy? What's current? What's society saying? What's the newspaper saying? What's that blog saying? What's my friend saying? And we let everybody stamp on their lives. That's why we teach our young people live pure, not because it's rules, but because we understand that when, when you compromise, when you join with people before you're married, you're actually getting a stamp on your life. God should stamp your life. And everything else is trying to take you away from belonging to God. Don't let culture stamp your life. The Bible says we are made in his image. As the worship team comes back, today we're going to pray over the image in your life. Let me ask you today, whose image is stamped on your life? We're not a church that says you have to be in church all the time. Sometimes we make rules out of coming to church. The reason why we gather today, or we should gather today, is not because of rules. Because in our heart, we say we want to give to God what is God's. It's Sunday morning, but it's also Friday nights. It's also Saturday mornings. It's also Tuesday afternoons. Why? Because when I see the image of God on my life, that's where I dedicate my life. Whose image is on your life? Don't let pain and sin and culture be the image on the life. Give to God what is God's. Give to God what is God's. As of why as a church, we have dedicated ourselves to following the one that we are made in the image of. 
I hope today when you look in the mirror, you see God's image on your life. You're not perfect. You have a long way to go. You're maybe not where you need to be, but you're not where you were. But when you understand who made you, who loves you, who impressioned you, that's where you want to give your life. We do that in offerings. We do that in our living. We do that in our choices. We do that with our children. We do that with our love. We do that with our future. We do that with our past. We give everything to God. That's why it's not hard to give if you know whose you are. It's not hard to give. Why? Because you give to God what is God's. You give to Caesar what is Caesar's. All over this place, if you'd stand to your feet for a moment, we want to pray before we worship today. Let me ask you, sir, whose image is on your life? Years from now, when they say he was dedicated to, what will they fill in that blank? We all have different passions from finances to sports to culture to arts. But at the end of the day, it comes down to what are you dedicated most to? Because what you're dedicated to is what you'll follow. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Give to the world what is the world's. Today, as a family, we said, no, these kids are God's. If we've ever needed God's stamp on our lives, it's today. When depression and anxiety and mixture and pain and stress and fears of wars and rumors of wars, fears of diseases and rumors of diseases, I don't want fear to be stamped on my life. I was listening to a podcast this week from the BBC talking about they interviewed all these 12-year-olds in Britain and the number one fear 12-year-olds have is global warming. What a difference in 15 years. When I was growing up, my fear was not getting the right wheels for my go-kart. We have kids now thinking about global warming. Why? Because fear wants to come into our culture. Don't let regret be stamped on your life. Well, if only I had come to God when I was in my teens or 20s. Man, it's too late for me now. My my marriages are a mess. My kids are a mess. My life is a mess. Don't let regret be stamped on your life. Don't let lust and sin and temptation be, I can't can't change. I can't change. It's who I am. I'm just going to give my body and give my life away because to the wrong places and the wrong people and for a feeling because I can't change. Don't let sin and temptation be the stamp on your life because we understand that God made you in his image. There's a power that comes in there going, I'm going to give to God what is God's. Church, I want to challenge you today. Who are you stamped after? Who are your kids stamped after? Who are your relationships stamped after? Today, the Bible says he makes all things new. What he's saying is, it doesn't matter what stamp was on there. Today, I washed that away. Nothing can get rid of that stamp. You can't give enough money. You can't come to church enough. You can't work at the food bank enough. You can't be nice enough. Nothing gets rid of that stamp of pain and shame on your life, except the very blood and love of Jesus Christ. And a miracle happens. It's made wash-free, and you're put back into God's image. That's why we say we give our lives to Christ. A miracle happens. I may have walked in reflecting another culture, but I walk out reflecting the image of God. And then I'm passionate about following his presence. With every head bowed, just for a moment, I want to give you the chance today. Two calls real quick. With every head bowed, just for a moment as I pray, you say, Mike, I love Jesus. I've given my life to Jesus, but I feel like there's another stamp on my life. I feel like regret is creeping in. I feel like maybe lust for finances or something else is creeping in. I feel like maybe comparison is creeping. I feel like fear is what I see on my life. I don't know what it is for you, but something other than God. You love Jesus. You know Jesus. But you feel like something else is taking over your life. With every head bowed, if that's you, just raise your hand real quick. I want to pray for you today. Yeah. Fear wants to come in, doesn't it? Let's put it right back down. Let's pray today. God, I thank you for our church. 
God, we thank you, God, that you made us, you saved us, and you help us. Father, I speak to these things that want to define us and want to rule us and take us over. I speak to fear. I cancel it in Jesus' name. God, I pray that that fear that wants to take over our health, our finances, our community, over relationships, we cancel it in the name of Jesus Christ. We speak hope. We speak power in Jesus' name. I pray for regret and mistakes that try to stamp on our lives and control us. I speak of freedom from that right now. I pray a washing away right now and forgiveness in the name of Jesus Christ. Second call today is you say, Mike, I don't know Jesus. I'm far from God. I, this is new to me. I, I've never done this, but I do know that there's something in me that wants to follow God. I don't have a relationship with God. I don't feel that newness. I don't feel his image. I don't feel his support. The Bible says he's as close as a brother. He's as close as any friend. That God isn't some far off entity. He's not some mystic person. He's actually a part of your life and your journey. He's with you. That Jesus died to close the gap so God's not far off. He's close to you. If you say, I don't know that God. I don't know Jesus. On the count of three, if you just raise your hand and put it back down, I'm going to pray for you right where you sit. One, two, three. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Raise your hand real quick. Put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you. Can we pray today? Let's believe today that the image of God will be stamped on your life. A race, whether it be years or decades, of, of something else trying to control your life. Today, God will lead your life, and you'll be able to give your life to God, the God that made you and loves you. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you for new starts. Thank you for new beginnings. Thank you for wiping away. God, you're the best detergent. You clean stains, and you clean uh, wounds, and you, you, you make us new. I speak life today. God, would you forgive us for our choices and sins that took us far from you? God, we give you our life today. We say, God, would you do a new thing in our life? Would you wipe away the past, Father God? Would you put your stamp on our lives? God, we give you our lives. We give you our past and we give you our future. Would you lead us? Would you help us? Would you heal us? Would you empower us? Father, I bless them in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, if you prayed that prayer today for the first time, on that connect card you got, would you just fill in, I committed my life. If you take it to that welcome wall, we have a gift for you today, just to celebrate the restamping, the washing away that God's done in your life, amen? Church, it's been an amazing day. Can we worship together the God that made us? Can we give our lives to the God we follow, amen? Come on, let's worship.